Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. Protecting you from the Ides of March all across Gitmo Nation. This is No Agenda for March 15th, 2009. This is No Agenda. Navigating the matrix from the Crackpot Command Center in southwest London, a borough of Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And from the Gitmo Nation Northwest and Buzzkill Central, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Wow. I think we did it. Yeah, well, I decided to. <laughs> you decided not to mess with me. And <laughs> you highly... know, last week, you know, when we ran that, uh, I listened to it. It, w- it actually came out perfect. No, it wasn't quite right because you could hear well, you somebody, kind of funk. In fact, like a couple of people tweet, tweeted it mm-hmm. saying, hey, uh, that was great. That, that, that was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was re- I got a, uh, you know, people send us stuff all the time. And actually, this was uh, the impetus, or is that the right word? The inspiration for a lot of the work I've been doing uh, this uh, this past week. Ha- have a listen to this. Was, this was sent in. It was regarding our um, um, Michelle Obama possibly being a, a kind of Lady Macbeth or someone oh, yes. lurking in the shadows at the White House telling people that uh, if they don't shape up, they will be killed. So listen to this. If you do that one more time... I will kill you. You know what? You will step back and shut the fuck up. That's what you will do. Or quit. As he shouted each name, he stabbed the table with a steak knife. Nat Landau, dead. Cliff Jackson, dead. Apparently others at the table joined in. So he is a candidate. Yeah, he's a candidate. The message is really conveyed in very short sound bites. If you do that one more time, I will kill you. Man. <laughs> so, so what are you using? You, you just like twist. You using audacity and then? And no, I didn't. The no, thing. I didn't do this. This is um, one well, of our listeners did, did this. Us. Yeah, yeah. This, okay. So I'm, I'm, and we really don't have any place have in the sh- great listeners that do all this work. No, they're fantastic. Are you kidding me? And so this is where I was thinking, how, how, what can I do with stuff like this? Because it doesn't really make sense to play that in uh, in the context of the show. This one because it's, it's uh, you know 50 seconds or less than a minute. And I'm thinking, well, why don't I do something with the no agenda stream? Because uh, it's you know we only have we we only have it up you know twice a week for the show, but then um, you know there's all kinds of cool applications and services out there, and you have these this thing you know this thing called Auto DJ, where you can set up a playlist and rotation, and it basically it uh, it talks to the uh, to the to the Shoutcast server, and it does it all you know out there, so I don't have to be uploading or streaming anything from the from the Crackpot Command Center. Huh. And I'm thinking, you know, it'd be kind of cool. So I started uploading songs, you know, lots of um, revolution songs, screw the government songs, but across uh, multiple decades. And uh, and I, I kind of got into it. I started having fun, you know, and I'm you know, putting up uh, our jingles, our sweepers. So every three songs, there's a station identification. <laughs> and people are tuning into it, man. They're listening no to station. it. station. <laughs> station identification. And from the internet. Yeah, I threw in um, you know, every 25 songs, the uh, the New York Times 
uh, front page podcast role, so you get a little bit of news in there. You know, if you check into the stream once a day, once or twice a day, you get some cool songs that you probably haven't heard before because, you know, we're trying to keep low on the repeats. But we could also put um, uh, Tech 5 in there to run uh, a couple times during the day. So this would be running uh, kind of not – this is not our show. This is like something that's just running that people, if they checked in – waiting for our show or just out of the blue yeah they would exactly. have it at you so you've oh, that's an interesting thing to do and, and you know and then, so you've cre- you created this automated uh station yeah in, exactly in exactly sense only it's like uh, it's just weirder <laughs> <laughs> exactly and if people make wow. stuff like this which relate and we can also you know schedule encore pre- presentations of the show although i you know i don't think that makes much sense you might as well just go download the podcast but we can also put promos in you know, promoting um, stuff that we're working on. It, it, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And, and what that led to, and this happens to me at least once a year, usually in the springtime. You know, so I'm uh, FTPing files up to this server. And when it, came, when it comes to graphical user interfaces, they really messed up FTP. You know, back in the old days, command line stuff, you know, it all just kind of worked. You have your input and you can use your wild cards and you can, you know, make it a lot easier than this freaking drag and drop. And I get into this vibe of everything command line now. And then I, you know, I'll install Pine and uh, and then configure Pine to work with Gmail through IMAP. And then I'm like, yeah, this is actually good. You know, CAL, calendar. Ooh. And it's just amazing how burdened we've become with the GUI for some very simple tasks. Hmm. You're not a command line guy, I take it. Never have been. I used to be. Hey, give me a break. I was I was during the uh, North Star DOS CPM era. I mean, I you know, started this whole business in the late 70s. I mean, come on. Right, but, but not Unix command line, more DOS and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I'm right now. I'm, I'm become like a, a Ubuntu person uh, with the, some. <laughs> You're now an Ubuntu guy. <laughs> and but I, you know, I, I just, you know, the fact of the matter is, times have changed, and drag and drop, drag and drop, you know, seems to be. I mean, there's no. Re- I mean, I think it can be all minimized. I mean, yeah, once in a while you have to type something in, and sometimes it's a lot more f- efficient. I've seen guys, you know, you know these guys that like the guys, some of the guys in the office you use know, Emacs. Yes, they immediately just jump into a yeah. command line and just type them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not that hard. In fact, there's there's a lot that makes it really easy with autocomplete. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I used to lecture people when I gave my speeches about how you know all oh, the command. You know, people say, "Oh, I can't use that." It says you have to type stuff in. Oh, yeah, like dir. You got to type. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. And yeah, I used to you know rag on the command line haters. And uh, but since, you know, um, I think we should bring it back. I think we should start ragging on command. I think we should bring back the command line love. Honestly, see, there you go. That was Pine just alerting me to a new email message. So I have one window and I can switch between all these wonderful applications. Yeah, it doesn't have all the 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 groovy looking, but even just writing a document who needs word. Except for the pre- <laughs> yeah, but except for the presentation layer, you know, oh, to- yeah, like the t- the fonts and the you know, yeah. and the formatting. Except for that, yeah, but yeah, d- no, it was a matter of fact, and this is funny because but not even told- formatting, John. All these okay, tools okay, have great formatting. Back up because I'll, I'll take your side a little bit. Thank you. Until about three years, four years, maybe three. I don't know how many years ago. Just recently, considering how long I've been writing, I never ever used Word to submit 
copy to editors. I, and ever since I began writing, which has been a while, I've always used, used the computer to send stuff. In fact, when I was writing for the San Francisco Examiner, I, instead of submitting copy, I would, I talked to the IT guys, and this is before, you know, anything. And I said, give me the, you know, give, let me be able to call the computer remotely and then file into the system directly. Right. And you'd have to do that with text. You have to do it with ASCII text. That's the only way you could do it. Mm-hmm. And I always used an ASCII text editor to write until just a few years ago when I started using Word. And it actually, what's, what's funny is because you usually write to length. You'd write on an ASCII, you'd get used to a certain, like, you know, amount of text that you could see on the screen and you knew it was like 700 words or 800 words or whatever. You could just tell. But then you switch over to the, uh, to Word. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, and then you have to keep checking the word count because you didn't know, oh, okay. Uh, right, to get to right. the number you're looking for, but now I use Word uh, for which is it, it, it's grep minus WC for your word count. Yeah, isn't that it? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my point is what's really nice about yeah, what is your point? I got a point. What's really nice about it? So if I want to. If you're, if you're using Windows or a Mac, I use a Mac, and you want to periodically check to see if there's a new Tech 5 podcast available, if it's available, you want it to be uh, downloaded or actually uploaded to the appropriate directory on the streaming server. Uh, it has to be a newer version. Otherwise, don't replace it. Replace it with the same file name. All this shit, you, you can't, you'd be, you'd be looking for shareware programs for three days to find out a way to do that. Whereas on the command line, and it's done. It really gives you the power of the computer back. I guess that's it. We've lost, we've lost the power to make our right, computer with the, with do shit. Well, you know, the thing is, is that the PC world, the PC side of the business, has always been into that until Windows came along. And the Mac side of the world's always never been into it. Yeah, until until we, until we got OS X, which is has a terminal and and command line yeah, but and how Unix. Many Mac users even know what a terminal is. No, no, no. It's uh, I, I don't I don't think I'm not I'm not saying people should learn terminal and go back. But if you're really looking to do stuff with your computer beyond the applications that you can buy or are given, it's beautiful. That's all. Because it's a real operating system. Yeah, and and there's re- and you can pipe stuff from one command into the other, and you don't have to be a programmer. Just kind of speak the language a little bit. Okay. Yeah, maybe a cheat sheet would be good. A, uh, a no agenda cheat sheet, cheat sheet for those who want you know, just a few interesting little commands that people can play with, and so they get used to Better it. That's handy. a good idea. Yeah, you can do that. Handy. You seem to be into it. Yeah, but that that looks like real work, so I, I mind to step back. We got a review. A, a review of the show? Yeah, a very positive review on the daily podcast reviews. Huh. And uh, would you like to hear some of uh, our review? I'd like to hear the whole thing, but just give me a, a, the snippets. I'll, I'll give you the, the second half. That's probably the best. It's hard to explain this show to people who don't see themselves beyond calling themselves a Democrat or Republican. So you can see this show as two guys blathering about nonsense. However... If you're into com- <laughs> if you're into completely insane ideas about government and politics, this show is for you. In fact, if you sheeple will just wake up, maybe these two guys aren't the crazy ones, and we are in turn crazy and nuts after all. Anyhow, listen to an episode of this show and see what you think. It's just a preferable show if you have a bit of crazy conspiracy thinking mindset. No agenda is released every Thursday and Sunday in the morning. <laughs> 
Hey, where was your cue? You, 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 had, you should have had queued up. No, I, I wanted to read it verbatim because uh, yeah, that's, that's literally what it says. The in the morning thing in there at the end. So I thought that was really nice. I appreciate yeah, that's, that. That's probably more or less a good description. We People our, that either, they either like this show or they think we, we're, we're idiots. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I'd like the people who think we're idiots to listen anyway. Uh, a few do. I, I should hope so. Yeah. We had our annual Red Nose Day in the United Kingdom uh, on Friday. Uh, big build up to it. Are you familiar with the Red Nose Day uh, phenomenon? In you know, the, United the first Kingdom? time I ran into Red Nose Day was in South Africa. In fact, I think I still have the red nose because we happened to be there on Red Nose Day. And uh, I uh, thought, well, that's interesting. It reminds me, there's another uh, thing that a lot of these countries have where they would something to do with these ducks, that they have a number on the duck and then they throw the duck in the water, you know, these little floating Yeah, I've ducks. seen that. I, I don't know. Red but Nose red Day nose is day, bigger. Yeah. Well, I'll explain it because I, I don't even remember what it was. So it's a charity or something. But yes, it's comic relief. And uh, the idea is to do something funny for money, and they, it's it's essentially it the it builds up uh, uh, over weeks time, and you have big um, chains like Sainsbury, the supermarket, selling the red noses, but also spe- selling special, specially marked red nose products, with, of which uh, uh, a portion goes to Comic Relief, um, and then it, the is. Is this a red nose that clips on, or the red nose that's like a little spongy thing? Spongy thing, a spongy that uh, mm, has. Because the one I had was a. Cl- it's like a plastic nose that you pinch it and it, and it clips on. Yeah, your it's, nose. it's spongy and it clips on your nose. Exactly. Oh, or it's not what I was asking, but okay. Well, you said is it is it spongy or does it clip on or your nose? It, well, well, yes, it, it does both. It, it clips on your nose, but it was hard. It was hard plastic. Oh no! It's it's uh, it's like a Nerf ball. Okay. With a slit. Uh, to some known as a girlfriend. <laughs> in this case, it's a red nose. And it culminates in uh, in a Jerry Lewis-like marathon, a telethon, where they have the big tote board and they keep counting up, uh, counting up the money, and they intersperse that with horrible, and man, this year, absolutely horrible videos. And so they have all the celebrities who work, not just for the BBC, but for other um, broadcast outlets as well, and they all do something cool, whether... You know they're dancing. Nine of them climbed Mount Kilimanjaro for uh, uh, for mm. money. Did you Did you get on? Uh, no, I was not. Uh, wait, not, wait, not wait, invited. wait. Hold on. But you you were invited to see the Queen, and you couldn't get on this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't oh, get on this damn boat, man. Well, but uh, a couple things were interesting. One is they were doing it for malaria. And their whole pitch, uh, well, actually, they added in, I think they added in later, and also for for poor people in the United Kingdom, which makes sense, because people are dying of no money, no home, no food, right here in the UK. And then, you know, there was a lot of uh, pre-buzz saying, hey, why why are we sending all this money to Africa? We need some money here. So they added in some uh, some UK charitable organizations. But but the whole push is for malaria, you know, five pounds buys a net, which will save a life. And I'm just flabbergasted by this malaria thing. So they raised over 50 million pounds. So that's a lot of malaria nets. But malaria, first of all, is a completely treatable um, or preventable disease. And Bill Gates has poured hundreds of millions of dollars into this. Why, where is it going? And why doesn't everyone have a frickin' net by now? If if we've got a total of three, four hundred million dollars flowing specifically to Africa for to combat malaria, it, it just sounds sketchy. Well, I'm not saying that it's a that it's sketchy or a bad uh, a bad charity. It's just, I don't get it. I mean, how many people live in Africa that need a net? 
But that isn't that aren't serviced by Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just the whole thing was was. But they they showed children dying before your very eyes on television. It was. Why don't they save them if they got the cameraman and crew there? I don't know if I guess you can't. I guess if. Well, yeah. Hey, there's another one over here dying. Come on, bring the camera. <laughs> That's exactly Dude. what it looked like, you know. And you had. I, pr- I need to help my kid. No, no, boo, lady. <laughs> if it was really sad, now don't laugh Let's about it. Die in front of us. Let's keep shooting. It was really, really sad. You, know, you see this child just <sighs> breathing out its last breath. Uh, you know, close up, dying of fever. It's just Jesus Christ. It, it was. Heart-wrenching and twisted and satisfying, yet not so all at the same time. Weird. Yeah, well, it gives people something to do. Whatever yeah. happened to band aid? Yeah, really. Whatever happened to Hands Across America? What happened to all the money? That was started back God knows when, <laughs> and it was supposed to like solve... It was homeless problem was going to be ended by Hands Across America. Well, we had. Uh, I didn't notice that it, it, it had any effect at all. I think it's just these things are just like uh, it's just a, like one layer below drinking clubs. We had USA for Africa, Band Aid, Live Aid, Live Eight, lots of stuff like that. Yeah, I think we should make a list. You know those songs uh, I learned uh, a couple of years ago, the USA for Africa song, which was written by Michael Jackson. Quincy Jones and who else wrote? I'm feeling Lionel Richie wrote it, co-wrote it with Michael Jackson. You know that the royalties for that song reverted back to them after two years. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, I think you brought that up. We once might have before. talked about that before. Yeah, I yeah, always yeah, find that kind was, of. It was like, what is the you know? Uh, you giving this away or you're not giving it away? Yeah, what's the point, peeps? Well, probably. The point is they know it was a scam, you know, that these guys that produce these things are scamming the public. And they might as well get their money back eventually because it's not going to anybody. Where do you want to go, man? Space wars, climate change, bailout, Madoff, China, bird flu. Lindsay Lohan, arrest warrant issued. Oh, crap. Hold on a second. And now back to real news. All right. Lindsay Lohan. Hit me, John. An arrest warrant for Lindsay Lohan was issued by the Beverly Hills Superior Court on Friday related to her 2007 DUI and hit and run case. That is according to People. This has been, this is, uh, getting this from Entertainment Weekly, which is really my source of news. Yeah, of course. That and the John Stewart show for politics. Well, the exact nature of the charges, that's all we got here, by the way, is the Entertainment <laughs> Weekly Entertainment, and the John, and Stewart, the John show. Stewart show. That's it. <laughs> Uh, pretty much. Uh, I mean, you can read the, you know, if you can get, uh, you can go online and read the Independent in England. It's pretty decent. Um, but it doesn't have the local news. It that won't have the Lindsay Lohan story. I mean, what is wrong with these British? Anyway, Lohan's lawyer, Sean Chapman <laughs> Holly, called the warrant a misunderstanding. Apparently, the uh, warrant was issued for any number of infractions, including minor administrative problems like failing to update an address. But that's what—that's that, just the general reason you can issue. But they don't say what this one was issued for. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, they kind of vague. It says he said that she had been complying with the terms of her probation, and then the police were not actively looking, although they wouldn't mind having sex with her. Said, no, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> She, she is, subject to she a, is, she she is sub- very hot in that lesbian kind of way, I got to admit. 
when when you just she, mentioned, I think I've, when you see her, she is extremely attractive. Yeah, she is. She's subject to arrest. He says <laughs> she's expected to attend a hearing on her. <laughs> blah blah blah. <clears throat> Don't know how much more I can handle. She's got a film coming out, and this looks like it's. I think this is connected. If you read this last sentence, the star whose film Labor Pains opens in May is currently serving three years probation for the May and July 2007 incidents in which she is alleged to have been input. Wait a minute. She, if she was found, she's on probation from a court case that's over. That's why is it alleged. now? Why do you, would you use the word alleged? Because it's stellar reporting, John. No, it's like somebody just drops away. What did I, did she, what was the uh, cocaine? Uh, alleged. Uh, alleged. <laughs> That's our news. So you have anything else? Was there anything happening in the world of politics? Yeah, there were several things happening in the world of politics. Um, you want to start with our uh, our president? You know, the news, uh, although there's real no real detail about his, um, his CIO uh, having to uh, take a bit of leave after the FBI raid, it's all very, very... Uh, CTO. CTO, I'm sorry. It's all very quiet, you know. Everyone's just regurgitating the news, but no one's doing any background on these guys. Their names are known. Yeah, I don't know. It's baffling to me. And in general, um, I have a question. So now we know that um, the uh, Microsoft security dude, I'm just pulling up the article here, Philip Rittinge, does that uh, ring a bell with you? No. Chief Trustworthy Infrastructure Strategist at Microsoft has been appointed the lead role in protecting the U.S. government's computing network from cyber attack. So he is now, uh, he was tapped. The guy from Microsoft? Yes, he was tapped by U.S. Homeland Security Secretary, Secretary Janet Napolitano. Oh. And, you know, and, and then I also... Doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. You know, so uh, uh, Microsoft, who pretty much can't secure their operating system from anything doesn't seem like you know well he he would certainly know what gets through i guess but then in <laughs> he's got a list he's got a list of oh, stuff there's another one huh. well you know we had that uh, was it the pist.exe virus that was floating out there that um symantec or norton which is i guess the symantec company said hey you know don't worry about it that's yeah it's dialing home to us but it's just an update thingy and it shouldn't have triggered all your warnings you followed that i'm sure yeah, well, kind of. Right. So I don't have any Norton on my uh, on my Mac. It, it does exist. I use the, the, the built-in firewall. And, you know, why does anyone trust these guys? If you look at what's, what Symantec basically does, Symantec is a government company. You know, the, their biggest business comes from government. They do all of the security for, for or most of it for the government. You know, you look at their board of directors. This is funny. Um, Vice chairman of the Bechtel Group is on the board of directors. We know that from uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. You know, why do we even trust a company like Symantec or Norton? And or do you? I use AVG, and I recommend everyone else use AVG. No publicity here, but free com. Who G made? Or I who did that's open source, or is that it is free? I believe, no, it's a it? it's a uh, a shareware uh, antiviral system. They have anti spyware and antivirus. It works fine, hmm. works as well as anything, and it doesn't. And it seems to be less intrusive. Norton, in particular, although they've saved, they've cleaned this up a little bit, tends to uh, 
muck up things. You can't install programs, and it's 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 just in there looking at too many things, slowing down the system performance, or it used to. Well, I'm not ha- I'm not having it. Well, why should you? No. Yeah, there'll be something for the Mac that's pretty clean. It'll be done with you know, like a bouncing duck or something. Would be the <laughs> logo. A nice, a nice little bouncing dock icon that tells me something. You know, chirping bird. In the show notes for today's episode of uh, No Agenda, a very good article from New America, New New America Media dot org, <clears throat> about the. Um, the eleven billion dollar helicopter order, exactly the things we were talking about last week, only much more detail. Um, you know, all the companies that are involved, how it came together. This is this is a massive, massive scam that's going on, underreported, obviously, but just a great read to if you want to catch up on how that whole thing came to be. And of course, you know, nothing has happened. No, I don't think the president has said I won't have it, or I'm going to reduce. Uh, I refuse this scam. <laughs> Um, I was looking well, at he'll, he'll say something when somebody writes it for the prompter. Right. So there's a lot of news floating around, by the way, on, uh, in fact, I'm starting to see it as a meme about legalizing drugs. Yeah. It's showing up a little more than usual. And it's, and I don't know when, cause I, Chris, I was mentioning it's got nothing to do with me, but I, I may have picked it up. But it's got, uh, I know Ron Paul's floating around. Well, he's got, uh, what they're doing now is they're doing lots of, um, you know, it, it's it is kind of like a meme, and so all these cable news outlets are so desperate for material. Though I saw, I saw, um, what's the girl from um, the woman from uh, the View? Ipanema. Yeah, for the View. She she filled in for Larry King recently. Joy is her name. Is it Joy? I don't know. Whatever. I didn't see. I don't watch Larry King. Whatever. Often. Well, I saw the YouTube clip, and so she was filling in, and she had Ron Paul, Congressman Ron Paul, on as a. Um, pro decriminalization, not necessarily legalization, but decriminalization, and against drugs of all people was Stephen Baldwin. We have it on the blog. We have that clip on the blog, and it's like the irony of that of a Hollywood guy. I mean, maybe Stephen's a, a straight as an arrow, but you know, come on. Oh, jeez. Well, it's um. I don't know where it's coming from, and it just seems kind of like Well, you know, I know where, I think I know where, it, or at least I know where the real impetus is. I mean, the big one, the big move now is a, is a front page story on The Economist and a big editorial in The Economist that goes on and on and on about how we, why we should legalize everything. Oh, right, and, and, and talking about how much uh, tax money they'll make off of it. I, I well, essentially, some... well, there's a couple of things. Besides making, like, who knows how much tax money, it will save uh, the United States, I believe, or maybe it's a world number, but I think it's the United States number, $40 billion in enforcement costs and incarceration costs, and that's not counting the taxes. I mean, we're talking about... a probably close to a hundred billion dollars into the economy uh and it and like everyone says and there's a lot of evidence that this nothing really there's less people using these things when they were legal in terms of per capita then and i think it would probably be that way now i think people would stop because there is a there is a kind of a you know uh, kind of a dirty girl thing involved with ooh let's do that you know it's it's not, you know it's illegal to might yeah, get caught let's try it you know, all the kids are doing it it's cool you know um well Man, I, when i you know when you go to amsterdam even though they're decrim or they're recriminalizing everything over no, there no 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 they're, they're no no they're not recri- recriminalizing 
they are making the sale almost impossible. They're take they're oh. systematically taking away the coffee shops, which is the distribution. Okay. Well, but, but the point is, is that when you're in Amsterdam, which where it's wide open, you don't just. I mean, I don't see people. It's walking not a big deal. Stoned out of their brains or no, anything. Well, they just... that, I'm not. Don't agree with that. <laughs> you must not be in the right spot in Amsterdam. Thirtieth of April, my friend. I'm taking you. I'll show you some stone Dutch guys. <coughs> But they, uh, I, I read an article, I can't find it right now, I read an article, maybe it was a Dutch article, where uh, they looked at what the taxation would have to be, and they did some, i got to find this article, some huge calculation, and apparently, you know, at the end of the day, it would have to be like $89 an ounce just in tax, or some crazy, crazy amount like that. Why does it have to be anything in tax? I mean, what, what does that well, mean? The, what does it have to but be But at the end of the day, if it's decriminalized, if it's legalized, then you'll just grow it. I mean, why, why set up an industry? That's the beauty of it. It's a weed. They don't call it a weed for nothing. You throw the seeds in the ground, you, you tinkle some water on it, and the shit just grows. It's not hard. So I don't. I, I think legalization I of marijuana is. I don't understand nonsensical. why they sell tomatoes in the grocery store because, after all, I can put a tomato no, seed in there. No, that's and not, I can no. have free tomatoes. Why should I be paying two dollars and fifty nine cents? By the way, which is what you have to pay at a crappy grocery for one store tomato? for a crappy tomato. No, for a pound of tomatoes, and it's like expensive because one to, one good sized tomato. Well, there's your answer, John. It's, lots of people grow tomatoes. Yes, but they they're still selling them in the stores. Well, it's all academic. It'll never be legalized because they cannot legalize the drug trade of any kind because that will really ruin the economy because everything, including Wall Street, runs on drug money. End of story. So it's here just it's go. not going to happen. No, you, here we go. It's not going to happen. There's hundreds of billions of dollars. You know, I um, we got a, a store here near. I thought it was a, what we, what they call the Pakistani store that's always open regardless of religious holiday. Uh, and they have uh, newspapers, and it's kind of like a little convenience store. And, I, and I'm talking to the guy, and he's from Afghanistan. And, um, and he's been here for 20 years. And he says, you know, uh, I said, man, you, you're never laughing. He says, oh, I have such pain in my heart for my country. I wish I could be in my country. And I said, oh, where are you from? Afghanistan. Oh, really? And um, so, of course, he left right after the, you know, the, the Mujahideen kicked out Russia. And then, you know, the situation changed dramatically. And I said, man, there's a bunch of crooks over there. I said, uh, how about Karzai? First thing out of his mouth. He said, the biggest drug dealer in the world. I said, no, I thought that was his brother. He said, his brother is his peanuts. Karzai is the biggest drug dealer in the world. And it makes total sense. Well, I don't know. I mean, why not? Well, it just all ties into the fact that it's not going away. The war on well, drugs we got, is you know, this a huge thing money is a maker. Disaster. I mean, it's it like, is a disaster. Like, like somebody said, you know, you can just trade. You know, we used to joke about it. Well, you know, these guys are kicked out. The Russian, the Russians attacked. The British attacked twice. I mean, one country after another keeps going in there. All they, their entire culture is only designed to keep people out. And uh, so now we're there, and uh, you know, we had we looked good for a few minutes. And then the next thing you know, these guys are just re, you know, they're saying, well, okay, we figured out what they're doing. They showed all their cards. Let's, uh, now what do we have to do to get these idiots out of here? So, I don't know. Let's uh, move over to the. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. It is hopeless. Another big story of the week. It was so funny to watch the cable news outlets all disappointed. They didn't have a story anymore with Madoff. You know, like, damn. 
there's there's no investigation. There's no story. There's there's nothing to say. They they, they have no angle left. And it's like, what is that? Where did all the money go? Which of course leads right into um, massive reporting now. John links in the show notes about the International Finance Court, which will be uh, recommended to the G20. So uh, you can watch my prediction come true. But I, uh, I had a good uh, laugh at about the judge who uh, did he convict? Is that what? He, yeah, he he said a conviction. Yeah, who convicted uh, Madoff? Judge Denny Chin, and I'm kind of uh, bemused that no one is talking about this guy. The cases he's been involved in, Anna Nicole mm. Smith, um, Elliot Spitzer, um, several, he's thrown out cases against uh, the Bank of New York. Mm. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? He's had yeah. some really high profile like showbiz type things. And the guy seems pretty clean. There's a couple of mob references that I found. But I'm still thinking that uh, this was just played too clean, too beautiful. Yeah, pretty slick. I'm still of the opinion that he may have never had anything to do with it, just as a, you know, interesting point of conjecture. Well, it's... It's a fractal, man. <laughs> There's a much bigger version of this above Madoff, and that's probably what's being... Well, I guess the whole derivative Well, that's is. kind of well, you know, almost what John Stewart was intimating. Over the last week, one of the interesting things... That, and what I, we need a, a little jingle. Somebody out there maybe can make it, or you can make it. You know, a nice booming uh, thing about... Uh, something about um, news for, dis, for the point of distraction. Which is, you know, your theme, you know, every once in a while. They, yeah. Everyone's all worked at, you know, targeting some, oh, my God, this is the. Yeah, don't, and don't, don't you, look at the economy. Look at uh, look the people. At look John at the Stewart people. and yeah, Jim Cramer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yep. And so they had, uh, curiously, uh, my friend Andrew Horowitz was supposed to be on that show. Hmm. And he got, got bumped. bumped. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and they, but they re- referenced his piece. Which made, must have confused some members of the audience because I guess he was very, did a sober analysis of how to short sell or what it was all about, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he was and Stewart referred to him as someone who's just normal instead of screaming and yelling and punching buttons that you know do uh, sound effects, and uh, and he really gave it to Kramer for um, uh, being you know because Kramer says well you know I'm kind of, I'm just an entertainer he says. And Stewart says, well, this is an entertainment. This is like people's livelihoods, you know, we're talking about. It's like, a, you know, and it was actually pretty, I mean, Stewart was not funny. Let's put it that way. He was very, uh, uh, he was just drilling into the guy. It was like, it, it was almost made you cringe. Well, I, th- I felt the uh, the clips he showed of that 2006 interview were, were way out of context. I mean, I didn't even know what it was from. I'm just looking at it going, what is this from? What is the point? I mean, it could have been an interview about, Show business on television. It, that wasn't completely clear. I thought I felt that was a bit unfair the way he. Used yeah, well, that. I think what they were trying to do is show off the fact that they can dig up anything. Yeah, well, but it's all YouTube shit. You know, we got all the same videos on Dvorak.org uh, and uh, on Curry.com. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Anyway, so that was a big mo- moment of distraction, and CNBC still hasn't responded to anybody about anything. Uh, they continue their merry way. Robert Gibbs, the uh, press secretary, had something to say about it. You want to hear that? 
Yep. Which was, uh, he, uh, well, listen to the implication he makes about CNBC being ashamed of Jim Cramer. Thank you, Howard. It's a serious question. It's an easier one. I don't know if you or the president saw the, the John Stewart piece last night with the Cramer, but it was serious journalism. Does the White House believe uh, that... This is, this is a serious question. This is serious journalism. This is a serious question. The White House press corps, by the way, those are the ones who should be shot, except for Helen. Lined up. Lined up, one by one. The obligation of journalists to call out lies to warn the public of the... Yeah, 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 get to your damn question. Um, I don't... I, the president and I talked earlier in the day yesterday about watching it. Uh, I forgot to email and remind him that it was on, so I don't know... If <laughs> I love that. I forgot oh, to email brother. him that it was on. Yeah, like he, like he doesn't know. <laughs> and like you can't tape it. Yeah, it's called DVR, dude. And I'm sure he can... Maybe the president could uh, look at the YouTube clip as an example. Unbelievable. Seen it. Uh, Unbelievable that they would say that. That's ridiculous. Oh, it gets better. Hold on, let me rewind a little bit. Yeah, Ugh. yeah it's funny. He's seen it. Um, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, <laughs> Smug little bastard. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, let, let me rephrase that. Smug little bastard. Cocksucker. Despite, uh, even as Mr. Stewart said, uh, that it may have been uncomfortable con to conduct and uncomfortable to watch, um, I thought it was, uh, um, I, I thought somebody asked a lot of tough questions, um, and uh, I am not surprised that uh, the video of Mr. Kramer's appearance doesn't appear on CNBC's website uh, today. <laughs> so that put a whole new perspective on this. So uh, Horowitz thinks that uh, Stewart was probably burned. You know, he makes about a million bucks a year and must have had his money in something and this market collapsing. He didn't get out, uh, and, you know, or was misadvised or told to hold, you know, which is oh, just wait, yeah. it'll come back someday. And so I think he's steamed because he does have an anger that is abnormal. It's it's with good humor, but you can, he still smirks. But it's like you can just see he's irked. He's probably lost millions. <laughs> yeah, oh, possibly. Yeah, well, it wasn't like you gold, gold you know, baby. That's where it is. Money. That's where it's at. Uh, Two point six million viewers for the John Stewart show. Yeah, that's a good number for them. Uh, it's a great think, number. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, probably like almost triple. Almost triple what they normally do. Right. That, that's worth about that much money. So anyway. Um, the, but there's another thing here that's kind of being overlooked. This is obvious that Kramer has been targeted to be thrown under the bus. Yeah. He comes up in the conversation way too much. Uh, he shows up on all – he's been sent out on the on his uh, – on a dog and pony show to all the other NBC uh, news outlets to uh, – to Take to his be, whipping. Uh, to take his whipping. Yeah, to take a whipping. And then he goes to – I mean, why would he do an hour? He did the whole show. I've ne I've watched the John Stewart show for years. I've never seen anyone sit down. He's had Barack Obama on the show, and he only had him in the segment at the end. You know, I mean, he has – you know, he has a – you have Clinton on. He has him on the segment at the end. The whole show was devoted to beating this guy up. He is the uh, the, the scapegoat for the entire collapse of the exactly. economy, That's and he's going to end is. up. It's ridiculous that they would just... There's other people that are just as bad or worse. He's going to end up as a bit player on no agenda. That's what's going to happen to him. Yeah, well, that'd be okay. He's <laughs> livening things up. Although he's already 
you know, I used to do CNBC more than I do now, and he and he, I would always find out who, what block I was in, and they say, and I say, what block is Kramer in? Because he would come on with uh, with Aaron, and you know, they chit chat. Mm. And if it was yes, before my block, I go, oh my god, Kramer, because yeah. he would step he, all over your block, yeah, and you get yeah, no and time, you get no time, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's why I was laughing at when Horowitz was bumped because I said, oh well, there you go, par for the course. But here's the here's the strange thing. So you have John Stewart. Basically saying, what the hell is this? You know, an, uh, a financial news network that is basically running a scam. The guy who should know this best is John Stewart. I mean, this is what he does all day long. He does nothing but make fun about uh, uh, politicians, financial experts, uh, cable television. He does it all day. Did he honestly think that CNBC wasn't some form of a scam? Well, not a scam, an entertainment form of entertainment. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, uh... well, I, like I said, you know, is the theory is he probably lost his shirt because you know a lot of people lost. Like, I mean, we're not talking about losing half. Did of you look money. for him on the list on the uh, on the Madoff list? Maybe he was invested uh, in Madoff. No, that would have been in the news. You'd be surprised what's not in the news, John. Did well, you look? see the problem with the Madoff. <laughs> here's the, the Horowitz points this out. The problem with the Madoff list with his four or five thousand people. Yeah, it doesn't include the feeder funds. It doesn't count any of the feeder funds. There's probably at least twice as many more that were in some feeder fund that went into Madoff's fund, and they lost their money that way. And they're not listed as this, you know, as the, on the suck on the number one suckers list. Those are just the A list. Mm. So who knows? I mean, maybe. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you'd want to admit to. Although the guy who heads U.S. News and World Report was on some show early on admitting to it. And he was, you know, and he's, and he's bitching about that. He's like he was head of some charity, and the entire charity was just wiped out because of Madoff. Funny um, article in the Telegraph over here in the UK. What is the difference between Gordon Brown and Bernie Madoff? Yes, Bernie's pleading guilty. <laughs> They want him, They want Gordon Brown to apologize. That's uh, that's what they're pushing for here. They want him to stand up and say, "All right, you know, all this shit happened during my watch when I was uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer." Um, David Cameron, the opposition, is already saying, "Oh, we're sorry. <laughs> we're really we we're running the country, but we're sorry anyway." As the uh, the net of poverty uh, comes down. Everyone's pissed off about the uh, AIG bonuses being paid out, $165 million. I'm sure you've uh, heard this. Oh, yeah. This is, these, I don't understand why they don't indict somehow. I, well, but the thing is, you know, these, uh, what they're know. saying is it is absolutely critical that they pay these bonuses. Otherwise, they're going to lose all these very talented people. <laughs> Really? Who Where are run, these guys going? Who have run this thing into the ground? <laughs> They're so talented. Yeah, but where are these guys going if they lose them? I mean, it's even, bullshit. It's, it's total bullshit. bullshit. It's bullshit. unbelievable. I've been uh, and nobody's just you know. I think they should you know the the, the olden days when people would like have uh, torches and you know carry shovels and torches and 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 storm a place and burn it to the ground and and. You know, yeah, like what happens run, in uh, in Athens, in Iceland, other places, except the civilized world. Yes, I, I just kind of you know, it'd be fun to see. 
especially the AIG thing, just like like 100,000 people converge on the AIG offices and just trash the place. But you know that's I don't I don't I don't think it's a good idea because I I believe that's exactly what the government wants you to do. That's why they're already saying, "Ooh, it's the summer of rage and everyone's going to be pissed off and we're going to have all kinds of shit." I mean, that's what they want. They want people to start rioting. As a distraction. Well, get them rioting because then hunk swoop down, military comes in, picks them up, throws them in the camps. Done. Mission accomplished. Sorry, I brought it up. I need to bring it to I've been looking at recovery.gov, uh, waiting for the transparency. And, and I've noticed something interesting about this site. Of course, this is the, the transparency website of the administration. It's basically, it's a, it's a news blog. Because every, every, it has all these stories like, oh, it's uh, 3,000 aviation jobs. And you click, and then it says, you will now be transported to the... You know, Department of Homeland Security website. So they keep shuttling you off to other government websites where they have a whole different format. You have to search through the press. You know, there's a press release, but then there's no actual information on how the money's being spent. And then to top it all off, from MotherJones.com, which I think is pretty reputable, they have a story about different counties in California trading their, their stimulus funds from each other at discounts. So here's how it works. So you have, you know, $44 million uh, that's meant for transportation. But you only need maybe 30, or that's what you think. But you really need more in agriculture. So what they're doing now is they're trading these pieces of money. Okay, this was earmarked. It's just the same money, right? But this was trade. This was earmarked for uh, transportation. So you can buy some of my transportation money. And they're, li- uh, and they're literally selling it. Let me see. Um, what was an example here? La Habra Heights, a city of 6,000, has sold its 500,000, it's a small amount, $500,000 in federal funds to the city of Westlake Village for $310,000 in cash. And what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Rolling Hills, population 1,900, sold its $500,000 share to the city of Rancho Palos Verdes for $305,000 in cash. And the city of Avalon has reached an agreement to swap its five hundred thousand with L.A. County. I mean, this is this this is wrong. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes plenty of sense. <laughs> I mean, how are they? I got five hundred thousand dollars. I don't need it. Yeah, I don't need. So, I don't need it. <laughs> so you give me um, cash. Three, cash. Give me some cash, and I give you some of the money. It's an outrage. I hear birds. Yes, there's a canary in this room. Ah. For my fellow... It, come, it comes through that loud on this, because Mike's very directional. Yeah, no, it came through loud and clear. Look, Mike's kind of pointing at the bird. I just look at it behind me. So when I move my head, it's aimed right at the bird. And what kind of bird is it, John? A canary. Oh, it really is a canary. You got a canary in a cage. Exactly. So if if the fucker just in falls case over, if he drops dead, I'm leaving here. <laughs> oh boy! I, uh, speaking of such, well, wait. Hit the hit the jingle for real news. I'm going to give no, you another no. story. Oh, you got you, well. I, before you get to the real the real news story, let me uh, oh. let me talk about canaries for a second. Guardian, the fine communist newspaper of the United Kingdom. World will agree new climate deal, says Al Gore. 
Former U.S. Vice President delivers an upbeat assessment of the global response to climate change today, saying he believes a political tipping point has been reached, which will enable leaders to avert environmental catastrophe. So he's basically saying it's all good. Everyone believes it. You're crazy if you don't. And this is the, this is the paragraph. Are you, that, a, are you are you are you a denier? Yes. The Earth is flat. I am a denier. Yeah, you're a denier. I, that I, means I'm you're mentally a creationist. You're insane. You're Holocaust you denier. That, you don't you, you don't believe that there's a Holocaust. Uh, you don't believe in evolution. And you don't. Uh, what else? There's, and you're nuts. And mentally uh, have a mental disorder. So a let, mental disorder. So let let me uh, root around in your brain. I didn't John. know you were that crazy. I didn't know what. So what's wrong with you know? I think that you know the Darwin has you know this has been proven. I mean, science has to use it. I don't understand why you'd believe in creationism. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You're a reasonable person, John. I don't like playing that game. It's not even funny. Well, that's what George Monbiot is doing, your buddy over there at The Guardian. Yeah, he hasn't published me there yet. Listen to this. Gore warns business leaders who did not get it. I love that. Hey, you don't get it. You know, we're going to die. You don't get it. Gore warns business leaders who did not yet get it that they should look to the collapse of the subprime mortgage market as a warning. Listen to what he does here, John. We now have... What? Yeah. Oh, listen. Listen to this. I got the quote. It'll blow you away. We now have several trillion dollars worth of subprime carbon assets whose value is based on the assumption that CO2 is free and there's nothing wrong with 70 million tons of it entering into the atmosphere every 24 hours, he says. That assumption is also in the process of collapsing and the remedy for it will include a change in business practices. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. The guy's criminally insane. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Look at the collapse of the subprime mor- mortgage market as a warning. And this, I mean, what is he? We now have several trillion, do- several trillion dollars worth of subprime carbon assets whose value is based on the assumption that CO2 is free and there's nothing wrong with 70. 70- the, guy the, the, the guy's a lunatic. This is the craziest thing I've ever. Well, how do you, what, what's the connection? There, oh, well, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't get, get it. it. You don't get it, which is a very Silicon Valley term, by the way. It comes from uh, you don't get you don't you don't popular. get Twitter, man. You just don't get it. Okay, you don't get it. So you'll never be successful in your life. You don't get it. You'll be no, no IPO for you. You don't get it. Google's not going to acquire you because you don't get it. Isn't that the way they talk? Yep. <laughs> As a matter of fact, and it all comes from Erhard seminar training. Uh, is that where the get it comes it. from? That's where the you don't get it thing basically we, we, we was popularized by Werner Erhardt, who was one of these guys who did these crazy seminars where it's the one notorious for not being able to take a bathroom break. <laughs> and uh, they would talk in this gibberish, just similar to what Al Gore did, where you'd, you'd connect weird things in a kind of a non sequitur way. Well, basically, he's saying the world and is. Then if you, and people don't pretend to understand it. And if you didn't, then you didn't get it. And it was like a harp done this. Oh, they don't get it. They don't get it. I'm trying, to fi- I'm trying to find this. Uh, there was an article, I think it was in the Financial Times today. A great new discovery. Uh, maybe it's Maersk Shipping. It was one of the shipping companies who said, we know our way out of this jam because, you know, international shipping is pretty much dead at this point. No one's shipping anything. They're 
There are ships uh, just literally sitting in, in, in port here in the U.K. with foreigners we, on it. You know, we have quite a few of them in San Francisco Bay. Same thing. Oh, here it is, Myers Tank. Listen to this. this. This made me laugh when you think about how ridiculous it is. Myers Tankers looking at sea transport of CO2. One of the world's biggest owners of... Oh, now, this is funny. One of the world's biggest owners of oil and gas tankers has become the first major operator to announce plans to enter the market to transport captured carbon dioxide. So... Here they are. They're going to take a tanker full of basically exhaled air, <laughs> sealed up. It's a tanker full of nothing. And they're shipping it off to another part of the world where they're going to put it in another container. And therefore, it's not released into the atmosphere. I mean, John, who's mentally insane? I tell you, you know, the thing is plants need that CO2. You know, the weird thing about CO2, of course, it would always have to be realized is that CO2 is heavier than air. And it tends to go down, not up. And which has never been discussed. And in fact, in the desert, uh, like in the uh, Death Valley, for example, and places like that, uh, people who have to spend the night camping, or if you if you think that's fun, you always have to. And this, this is a known fact that there are there are uh, depressions in the in the desert that are like little sinkhole things, and and people sometimes will go down into them and then spend the night and be dead in the morning. Because yeah, because the, of all the CO two is sitting there. CO two no oxygen. Yeah. Right. See, CO2 kills. Well, I'm just saying. So anyway, the whole thing. Uh, Al yeah, Gore but, believes uh, a global climate deal will be agreed at the U.N. brokered climate talks scheduled in Copenhagen for December. So mark it down on your calendar. You know, this all began with the uh, with the rather new discipline Before you, of let, climatology. Let me just give you this the last bit because this is the real important connection. Oh, sorry. Gore says... There is a very impressive consensus now emerging around the world that the solutions to the economic crisis are also the solutions to the climate crisis. That's your carbon credits. That's your carbon tax. That's all of that shit right there in that one little sentence. Please continue. I can't. I mean, that's just, just ridiculous. That guy... He's the one of the most dangerous men in history. I can't imagine what would have happened if he was actually elected president. Hold on a second. Could you please... Um, that was really good, man. Do that again. That guy. Hold on. Hold on. Let's do it again. And now, an important analysis from John C. Dvorak. Al Gore is one of the most dangerous men in the history of mankind. I don't know what it would have been like if he was actually elected president. Excellent. That'll be reused. We'll put that on the stream. Meanwhile, Buckingham Palace, one of the least green buildings in the top ten list in London. <laughs> Thermal imaging. <laughs> Gee, you think? Yeah, it's only 775 rooms, this palace. Man, they did all. So it's uh, Buckingham Palace. I love number two. So they're number one. Number two, this really will make any Brit chuckle. DEFRA. <laughs> The Department of Energy uh, and Climate Change. Ah. <laughs> Actually, it's Department for uh, Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs. But there is the DECC. That is for climate change. Number three, the Ministry of Defense. Number four, the Horse Guards Barracks. A lot of CO2 coming from there as well. I think we should shoot the horses. Shoot Save the, the horses. world. Shoot the horses. The, number five, the Shell Building. <laughs> number six, the Home Office. Number seven, Houses of Parliament. Number eight, the Treasury. Uh, nine, Portcullis House, then MI6, 
and then a whole you know, bunch. Are they allowed of to burn coal in the Buckingham Palace? They don't. Remember, I um, they had it's all electric. Oh, I'm not saying that's any better, but it's uh, that's what they're uh, that's what they're doing. I think we should uh, hit on China for uh, a few moments because China's in the news. I was going to give you some real news first. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. And now, ladies and gentlemen, time once again. And now, back to real news. Uh, America's top uh, next top model auditions led to a <laughs> semi-riot and arrest in New York. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Melee. And let me read this from uh, this is Entertainment Weekly again. One of the two news sources we use here in the United States, which was uh, Entertainment Weekly, and the other one is a Daily Show with John Stewart. Yeah. A melee at the New York auditions for the CW series America's Next Top Model led to six injuries and three arrests Saturday, according to the New York Times. Witnesses told the paper that the fracas broke out. When the wannabe contestants' nerves were frayed by the disorganized conditions after they'd waited on the street overnight for it was cold, by the way, for a chance to try out on Tyra Banks' reality show. Three people were reportedly arrested for disorderly <laughs> contact and two, were, two of the six injured. They were transported to the hospital. You're killing me, man. <laughs> the uh, next day's audition, ironically, were canceled, which must have irked everybody in line. I have real news, but I'm not even going to do it now. That was too much. See, this is important. I mean, this kind of thing happens. This is what's going on in the country. The Obama administration is be desperately trying to reassure China that we're good for the money. That <laughs> That is uh, pretty bad. Let me just boil it all down for you. That's what's going on. Hey, look, uh, I'll pay you on Tuesday. Really, seriously. <laughs> really, Come man. on, I know. Come on, man. What's the big on this shit, man? Come on, brother. <laughs> Uh, the money besides that, what are you going to do about it? Chinese Premier Wen Jiabo. Jiabo? Is that how you pronounce it? Jiabo? Uh, I, I know how you pronounce Premier. is a premier. Premier. Well, he's, uh, he's basically said publicly, hey, you know, um, I'm a little worried about the $2 trillion you guys borrowed from us. Here's the quote. I request the U.S. to maintain its good credit. To honor its promises and to guarantee the safety of China's assets. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Does, it, does he not watch CNBC? Does he not know how much money we're creating and how much we're devaluing their share? And Yeah, it's like ratcheting down. So missing from this story, of course, is the eminent domain. But uh, I, I really think that, it's, you know, he's looking for reassurances. What more reassurance can we give him than Hillary Clinton saying, don't worry? Don't worry. It's all good. Well, the reassurance is simple. Look, we have a new eminent domain <laughs> law. Look. And we'll give you China, uh, let's say, uh, what would you want? Do you want Arizona? They want Hollywood. They want Hollywood. Give them Hollywood. I, don't, I think it would be great to split. Here's what should happen. If, I, if you go to the blog, I, I'll repost this. I've been posting it for years. I think California should be divided into three states because it's too big to be one state. And as three states... It could also pick up another four senators, which would give us more representation. And more governors, right? Two yeah, more. three and two more governors. Three more governors, yeah. So it'd be, it would be better. And then you'd have the you know Northern California and then the Central California area and then Southern California, which could then be sold to Mexico or it could be sold to China, which has Hollywood down there. Mm -hmm. And then they can deal with their water problem, you know, through the uh, – the, those, you know, like the Rio Grande or something besides taking all our water – 
from Northern California and piping it all the way down to Southern California so some idiot can fill his pool, you know, and water his yeah. lawn when they, and they live in the middle of a desert. And so sell, you know, but, you know, divide the, the state up to three and sell off the bottom part to China. Let China have it. I mean, what's the big deal? I think China should take um, Southern Chinese California. Do, yeah. They should, they should take Southern California and turn it into the trash dump. Because the, the, <laughs> the International Herald Tribune says that they're now turning away other countries' tr uh, trash. They're not taking it anymore. In Which China? Is, in China, yeah. This is a big problem. Well, something has to be done about trash. You know, nobody wants to talk about trash recycling. And by the way, trash, when it's buried and just let, let the rot, produces a lot of methane, which contributes to uh, global uh, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> Climate so, change. So the, the stuff should either be burned, because so I think CO2 is better than methane. I think everybody agrees with that. And uh, You just don't burn, get recycle. it, man. Burned, recycled, something, you know, something different. The collapse of the recycling business has affected trash pickers, the middlemen who buy their waste in the factories that refashion metal, paper, glass, plastic into products bound for the supermarket shelves. China is refusing their shipments. The, huh. the, the recycling business has collapsed. Now what? Shouldn't we be focusing on that? Shouldn't we be looking at trash? I think I, trash is a problem. It's huge. It's, it's huge a huge problem. problem. We export, the uh, United States exports $22 billion worth of recyclable materials. That was 2007. That, uh, that, amount, that amount of money, $22 billion, has decreased by an estimated 70%. I guess it's because recyclables don't go in, there's no more manufacturing or there's less manufacturing, so they don't need materials, right? Well, I mean, if everything slows down, then you don't need so much, you know, well, that's a big slowdown, man. Seventy percent is a big ass slowdown. Yeah, I don't know if what it what it, what it represents of the total, though. I mean, it might be. I mean, how much is the economy slowed? I don't think the economy slowed down seventy percent. I think just that's like the edges of the economy, which is the first thing to be affected because there's still you know raw materials. I'd like to know what the what the. I think what we want to look at is copper and cement production, and see what the slowdown is in those two industries, and then we know what the real slowdown is. China is uh, rumored to uh, be using... There was a good spot there for in the morning. No, I wasn't ready for it. I need to give you your own in the morning. I have to get uh, my own buttons here. Uh, Bloomberg is writing that uh, China might use part of its $2 trillion in foreign exchange reserves to buy gold. <laughs> yeah. There's a thought, boys. A little late. Nah, well, it's, it's, gone, it's gone down a bit. You know, it's uh, low 900s now. But uh, so there was a little fracas um, with a U.S. ship out there hunting for subs. And the Chinese said, hey, hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. Five. And did you see? Yeah. And did you see they showed pictures of this? And I wish, uh, unfortunately, I don't have them. I didn't get a screenshot. But the, the, the thing, that crazy the boat that the U.S. was in is was a screwball thing. Did you see pictures of that yeah, thing? Yeah, but... but you know, and then the fracas was a couple of, like, looked like overgrown tugboats with, like, tires all around the yeah, outside, yeah, old yeah. wooden boats floating around. They looked they were just like the next-generation junk. And it was like, you know, and they were saying, hey, I, I, this story seems like a bogus story. There's something phony about it because our boat was too weird-looking and those their boats were, like, too dinky. Well, according to the Times newspaper in the UK, 
potential conflict brewing as of last night in the South China Sea after President Obama dispatched heavily armed American destroyers to the scene of the naval standoff. Gee, I bet that's not in uh, Entertainment Weekly. Standoff? It was a joke. This is not. A, there was no standoff. There's just these weird-looking China. Two of these horrible-looking wooden yeah, boats. Yeah, but, but the, the U.S. boat, the, the U.S. has admitted was that looking at submarines. It, it was unarmed, but it was like a submarine snooping boat. You and, know, I think the whole story's bull. Really? Hmm. There was there. Yeah, I think the, the but that 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 ship was so screwy looking. I don't see what it had to do with submarines. Maybe it was a sub chaser or something like that. I don't know what the point was. And you know why couldn't they? Were they past the twelve? This story is sketchy. Where were they? Where were they? Were exactly? Let's listen to the story. South China Sea. Let's listen to the story. There's, there's a video that goes along with it. Let's see. On the surface, this doesn't look like a terribly serious problem. Um, an American surveillance ship, the Impeccable, was harassed by Chinese vessels on Sunday in the South China Sea, and nothing more dangerous than a high-powered water hose was used in the exchange. Uh, but actually underlying this incident is something far more serious. This area is one of the most strategic waterways in the world. The Americans are now sending heavily armed destroyers to escort their surveillance ships in the area. And the Chinese have responded uh, by denouncing the American actions as hostile and declaring that this area uh, is exclusively for Chinese use only. There you go. There's something wrong with the story. I don't know what it is. I can't have him got a clue, no, but that's I'm, uh, just a I'm, bunch of sketchy information. Who knows what? The old and they can they attacked him with water hoses. I mean, what does that? <laughs> how does anybody fit, fit into the picture? The things were like they would look like two wooden, yeah, horrible like old little wooden tugboats. fire boats yeah. <laughs> floating around, you know, lost. And they had to probably spray the American boat because the thing was like twenty thousand times bigger than these little pieces of crap. Yeah, one of those catamaran and jobbies. They probably had to spray the boat with the fire hose to get their attention. <laughs> Please don't ram us. I don't know. Well, but this There's is something, something, well, something's up. I think it's a ruse for something else. We've had so many things. There was a huge um, terrorist warning in the Netherlands. Oh man, this really set my in-laws off. Poor, poor people. They're eighty-three years old. They're on the phone. Of course, they call me immediately, thinking that I'm going to know anything. Do they listen to No Agenda? <laughs> Thank God they don't. <laughs> oh my God. Adam, do you have to swear so much? Uh, I, th I think it would be different. <laughs> um, Adam, do you have to be living? So, Can you just shoot yourself? So they shut down uh, a huge shopping area, including the IKEA, because they got a call. <laughs> this is the best. They got a call from a Belgian prepaid mobile phone, which apparently had such e explicit description of the bombs and the people who were going to set them off, suicide or otherwise, that they immediately locked it down. The whole country went into red alert. Everyone's freaking out. They arrested seven guys. They're pounding through all these people's houses. Immediately the news comes out. This One of these guys is linked to one of the Madrid bombers that got away which uh, I don't think they actually, I think they they never convicted anyone of the uh, Madrid bombings. And uh, two days later, of course, they had to set all seven of them free. Yeah, sounds yeah. like a typical exercise in futility. Well, uh, or perhaps, uh, please, whatever you do, don't look at the AEX. <laughs> don't look at the stock market. Don't look at the, what's happening in the world. Don't listen to real news. We have all these horrible things happening with these multiple shootings. 
What? Well, you know, the one in Germany. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's just lots of stuff. All of a sudden, lots of uh, death and destruction coming down. Oh, wait a minute. Ladies and gentlemen. And now, back to real news. Beavers could be reintroduced into England. England has no beavers? <laughs> and now, back to real news. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 more than 500 years it's been since we've had them in the, the UK. They're going to reintroduce the beavers to this island. Mm. They say it's good because uh, they uh, eat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and chop down trees. Big controversy about the beavers, whether we should have beavers or not. Actually, remember that guy from um, the band, uh, I think it was uh, Blink-182, DJ AM? Remember he was in a plane crash, in a, a, a private plane crash, and he, and he lived? I'm sure you caught that real news. No. This was a while ago. Yeah, was, there were two guys who, who, who survived this uh, Learjet crash, which ran off the end of the runway and broke up and caught fire. And uh, he was in the real news saying that he actually was scheduled to be on the Buffalo flight. What are the chances of that? That guy should emigrate. That is, that is weird. I mean, they say that, uh, you know, chances of you dying in an air disaster are so small, but then to, you know, to come so close twice is pretty amazing. There was somebody in one of these catastrophes that was supposed to be in another catastrophe, but they missed the flight or something. Uh, I was reading about it. Oh, that happens all the time. You know, I guess, you know, would have been killed, but then he's coincidentally missed the flight, and then he gets killed on another flight. It's like the guy, would, you know, du- you know, sees a safe falling from the, from the building above and moves <laughs> out of the way and gets hit by the piano. <laughs> Prince Charles, who just when I thought the guy was going to be okay from uh, AP... Britain's Prince Charles warned on Thursday, mankind has 100 months or less to save the planet from a climate-caused disaster. Didn't they say this like a couple years ago? (laughs) 100 months or less. Here's what bothers me. We had a story that uh, we have have a climate change junkie on the uh, Bond blog. Mm Mm-hmm. He's always, every time you post any skepticism, he posts something you know, else that says we're all doomed. But the one that uh, gets me is the more recent uh, mention uh, of this guy, uh, climate change expert Nicholas Stern, who's told 2,000 climate scientists meeting in Copenhagen that if they fail to clearly tell humanity what it faces if global temperatures reach the upper range of forecasts made by the IPCC, which is the which we have United, you know, who started all this, yeah, the United Inter, United Nations Intergovernment Panel for Climate Change and destroying uh, all Western economies it should be the real title. <laughs> uh, he says there's been a lot of scientific evidence. He goes on and on. He says new findings show that these projections were vastly understated, and and everybody oh it's worse than we thought. What I'm thinking when I read this stuff is, can't you get this right? I mean, it's like worse than we thought. It's better than we thought. It's worse than we thought. Where, where are the these numbers are so solid? Why do they keep upgrading and changing them in, in flux? I mean, if it, in other words, if we're so solidly, you know, we have strong evidence that's irrefutable and everyone agrees. Well, did everyone agree that it just changed? I can't believe that Prince Charles is not on the front page of every single newspaper with this. Listen to what he's saying. The best projections tell us that we have less than 100 months to alter our behavior before we risk 
catastrophic climate change and the unimaginable horrors that this would bring. What are those horrors, you ask, John? Any difficulties which the world faces today will be nothing compared to the full effects which global warming will have on the worldwide economy, he said. It will result in vast movements of people escaping either flooding or droughts, droughts, in uncertain production of foods and lack of water, and of course, increasing social instability and potential conflict. It will affect the well-being of every man, woman, and child on our planet. So it sounds like to me for an excuse for a European army to keep out the raggedy poor. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what Sarkozy has been moving toward. The president of, uh, of France, who just the other day, after 40 years, said, you know what? That NATO thing? Yeah, we should be in that. This is uh, shaking the French to their very roots. Well, the French have got to get rid of that guy. Gonna be more French. The guy. I mean, the only thing French about him is he's got a hot wife, and that's not actually that French <laughs> if you think about it. She's Italian, dude. Yeah, well, Remember, Silvio. Silvio gave her to him. Somewhere there's a um, an article I was reading. Oh, I think it's in that helicopter uh, story that um, Berlusconi leaned over to uh, Sarkozy and said during some public thing in his ear. Remember, I gave you Carla. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it makes so much sense. These guys are all on a little. You're right. They are in the drinking club. And guess what? They drink They're your doing blood. Wife swapping they drink swapping. your blood in this club. <laughs> <laughs> they are drinking your blood. And a uh, uh, link in the show notes uh, to all of the fantastic articles as predicted, uh, linking Jade Goody to the HPV vaccination. Luckily. And this blows me away. I didn't know this. Luckily, uh, also a lot of women in the United Kingdom have um, gone for a, uh, a cervical test, which in America we call a pap schmear. They don't call it that here. Uh, a schmear? Schmear. <laughs> schmear. It's you like you put it on your bagel. Cream cheese on a bagel. <laughs> hey, yeah, John, would you like some I'd pap like schmear? I'd like to get a schmear. Here <laughs> like, you go. I'd like, it's a buck 95. I'd like a Watch. pap schmear with that. In the morning. There you go. <sighs> Um, you know that uh, women do not get a cervical test uh, under the UK health plan until they're 25? That sounds wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, so now the FDA has approved DNA testing for HPV. So this is, this is, of course, the route that it needs to take. So not only can we inject you with whatever we say is safe, but do this test so we have your DNA on file. And we can actually see if you're going to get this cancer based upon your DNA. I mean, this is, this is oh, like space-age shit, man. Of course it's bad. bad. FDA this approves two new HPV tests. They're just trying to get a database of everybody's DNA. That's right. And it's gonna, they're going to get it, too. It's going to be a lot easier to trump up charges. Did I also see somewhere um, uh, a couple of news articles about uh, some... It was like an imaging of a, it was some, some tests some scientists had done. It was, it was a little sidebar column that they can do 
imaging on your brain patterns and based upon oh, yeah. how your brain thinks, and, you know, that's This fi- is actually big news here. It, okay, so it, fi- it was very marginal news here. It fires off, uh, you know, neutron shit, whatever is uh, yeah. electrons, and they can image that, and then they can identify you just based on a scan of people's yeah. brain waves. Yeah, for pre-crime. Right, to see if you're going to actually... Do- well, I, I think... I would say this is probably linked into those new airport scanners. So, you, so here's the theory, man. You oh, jump- I went. I, oh, oh, good, because I went on one of the newest of the new scanners. I usually do this. Tell me about your experience. Okay, well, the the the, the scanner. The, the first thing I went through, some months back, they had these things called. They were called puffers, and you go in there and they just blow a little air all over you, and then they analyze the air to see if there's any chemicals. They took those out. So now they got this new thing called a micron or a micro or some weird thing. I think it takes a, a single. Uh, t- I think I don't know what the mechanism is, but I'm guessing it's ultra. Uh, it's ultra wide uh, uh, pulse radio X-ray. Type they basically they, they can see what you look like naked. And that's basically yeah. the result. It's a true uh, thing. Okay, so you get in, it, it, but it's. it's who knows what's going on? You got to uh, put your hands up in the air. Yeah, I mean, you put your hands how, up in the air. How, how shitty do you feel? How do you? How much enslaved do you feel when they make you stand in that box and put your arms up? It, like it a takes forever because the guy turns away and he says, "Oh wait, oh a little higher." And so anyway, here's the thing: they have a big sign at the airport, and they have only one of these things, and there's like three or four, six lines maybe going through. And if you go to this line, it says, "If you go into this crazy machine." You will, there'll be less chance of a pat down and less chance of this, less chance of that. Bull. It's just the opposite. You go into the machine and if you have a piece of paper in your pants, the guys are or, like testing. Or something else that's really big. Yeah. Well, I, next time I'm wearing a sock. So anyway, <laughs> the, um, so you go through this thing and they, they take a look at you and you say, oh, this guy's, you know, could lose a little weight. And then uh, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they 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 say that they like, whisper that man the guy's a fat fucking pig. Know, this guy can lose some weight, don't you think? <laughs> oh, well, look what's coming up in line number three. There, holy. Oh, Christ. boy, get her over in my line. So anyway, so the um, so the so the guy says, well, "What's in your front?" Because I had a piece of paper in my pocket. And he saw the paper. Weirdly enough, he didn't see the comb in my back pocket, so the thing didn't work that well. Hmm. So anyway, so he pats me down, and, and he's go- just patting like a maniac because I think they're testing this gear, and they want to see what mistakes it made. And he, by the way, during the pat down, he missed the comb himself. Unbelievable. So the, so the machine And you could kill someone with a comb, you know? Oh, you could. You could. You, you slit their you throat. You could their slit their throat. <laughs> you could comb the pilot's hair. So anyway, so then, uh, and, he's, and he's patting me down so much in the back, I'm just one second away, saying, could you scratch a little bit to the right? <laughs> you said that? No, I couldn't bring myself to it because nah. I, I just was that, observing this. I went to this for the for the purposes of our listeners. I went through this process. Because I, I, can I tell, would refuse. But go ahead. Oh, I always like to check these things out, but I, I tell people, don't go through it. It's just a big waste of time, and it takes longer. So meanwhile, I had some. I, I was carrying all this gear in my luggage, and so they had to look at my luggage too. So this guy says, "Is this your bag?" You know. Did, but meanwhile, did, the did whole line meat, is slowed down. Did you have, meat, did you have meats in it? Did you have meats in your bag? I, I don't have meats when I'm going back. Oh, okay. So uh, I had a bunch of meat when I was coming in from Wisconsin, though, and they stopped me and said, "What's this?" You know, because it, it looks like these sausages from Wisconsin—they look like dynamite or something, right? Because it's in there. So what do you got? You got frozen meat. Yes. Oh, okay. I said, you can't leave Wisconsin without meat. And he says, you're right. <laughs> hey, hey, tell someone there to stop downloading porn, man. You're breaking up. 
So it shouldn't be anything going well. Anyway, uh, I, with this 10 megabits, I shouldn't be breaking up ever. Anyway, so uh, I go through the end, and then I say to the guy who's going through my luggage to look at this equipment, he's, and I said, well, that thing is a piece of crap, you know, talking about the device. <laughs> I said, that thing's a piece of crap. It's, it's supposed to make things faster. It's supposed to down. It doesn't even seem to work. And the guy, and the guy, and the guy says, went, don't be such a buzzkill, man. The guy says to me, I know. Oh. It's total garbage. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, so while it's not picking up that comb in your back pocket, it's uh, I think it's probably it's scanning your some kind of profile, and they can see you through the satellite. That's crap. It's a piece of crap. So that thing's another expensive piece of junk. And, you, and you're right. You had to stand there, and the arms in the air. It's stupid. It's, it's the stupidest it's thing I've demeaning. ever seen. It's just demeaning. I don't like yeah, it. It's ridiculous. But anyway, so just for people, when you see one of those machines, go to the other end because it'll slow you down. It's not. Doesn't they claim it's going to speed things up? It doesn't speed things up. It cuts the numbers in half. It goes twice as slow with this piece of garbage in the way. There you so go. there you have it. So uh, since we can't seem to get a break on uh, anyone reporting on this uh, horrible mixture of bird flu and uh, flu vaccine since mainstream media is just completely ignoring it in every country where it's been distributed where it was sent to it's weird yeah i will say though that um currently 58 cases of bird flu in egypt so i think you just gotta start looking at uh at you know places where this is breaking out and and watch it spread and and watch it happen as they uh, start to tell us we need to get a, a a vaccine a shot it's somewhat it's just disgusting and by the way which brings me to the point that you know stuff like this is what makes the show interesting now uh, last uh week i said i was going to mention all the 100 and and the and the 50 dollar contributors okay so I was going to do that from here. We're going to have to do it on Thursday because I went to my PayPal account, which has a list of all of them. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, because we got a lot of subscriptions last week. Donations. Don donations, sorry. Uh, it's told me that I couldn't access the account because I needed a security code. Because I, I think I'm coming, coming in from a different IP. So they have enough information about me that they now won't let me look at my own account, even though I have the password and everything. I need a secondary password, which is actually a good thing because PayPal's always everyone's scared yeah, they're hackable. Yeah, exactly. So I had, to, so I can't read the names because they won't let me uh, look at the list until I get back home to the other house. And uh, then I'll, so on Thursday, we'll list everybody off and uh, who, who donated 50 or $100, and then we'll thank everybody else who's, who uh, has a continuing contribution in some sort. But if you feel the need, and you should, because we're the only ones talking about this bird flu story, for example, uh, it's Dvorak.org slash N-A. Or uh, noagendalibrary.com. It's Dvorak.org slash N-A <laughs> is, the, is the place to go. Why not just yeah. noagendalibrary.com? It goes to the same place. I think place. it's harder. I also like the N-A thing. I, just, I Okay, no, okay, well, you can do that. It doesn't make any difference. The money goes. It's not like we're competing. And we don't actually have counters on these sites to see who goes to Adam's site to, and my, although God, we could. No. no, God, no. That means work. It's definitely competition, you know, no... Anyway, I, I want to. I, I do want to thank. Anyway, there's three things you can do. You can give us, you know, just a, a straight up donation, which we'd appreciate. Fifty or hundred bucks is ideal because then you get mentioned with a, a we'll, maybe some fanfare, 
and then um, a jingle know, can... with a jingle, and then you get an yeah, that's what we'll do. We get a new subscriber who's donated a lot. We're gonna give you an in the morning, in the morning, <laughs> like a shout out. You know, we'll give you an in the morning, <laughs> morning. <laughs> so we do this on Thursday. Sorry, Good. I yeah, no apologize problem. in no advance. Problem. I, I this wanna... gives more people the opportunity to get the uh, you know and help out. I'd like to thank Cheryl who uh, listened to our call about farming. Remember, we asked uh, if there were any farmers in the audience, and uh, not only did we get uh, a farmer, but we got a woman, which is it's like a double whammy for us. Because I think uh, the count now is four female listeners to uh, this program. I heard it was six. Adam, thanks for your concern about farmers and their ability to plant a crop this year. My husband and I are Midwestern corn farmers and have witnessed a few neighbors having difficulty obtaining financing for crop inputs this year. In fact, we have some cropland that we rent to a fairly large farmer whose rent check for this year just bounced. Last year, as commodity prices rode to record levels, so did our fertilizer, chemical, seed, fuel, land rent, other input costs. Grain prices have dropped dramatically, but most input costs have not. Rent is doubled. Since costs were completely out of control last fall, many farmers prepaid inputs in order to control costs and sold grain on futures contracts to local ethanol plants to cover their butts. If they sold to Verisun, the bankruptcy court has ordered the farmers to deliver the grain to the plants, but the 4 to $6 a bushel they were promised for their grain will not be honored. These people are getting screwed, man. You know, yeah. Well, there's also that yeah, ethanol thing going on. So I'm. Did I mention I was? I used some. I was in Wisconsin. I ran. I rented a one of those little sh- funky looking Chevys that looked like a PT Cruiser, and it and it used flex fuel. Is that a combo? Uh... It, it means it'll run on gasoline or what they call E85. Mm. And E85 is ethanol, 85% ethanol, and I don't know what else. I guess some gasoline is necessary in there. And uh, so I'm going back to the airport, and, I, and I'm driving along, and I have to get some gas to fill up the tank. And guess because I don't take that scam deal the car rental companies give you. We'll uh, prepay. And so um, I'm going back, and uh, there's a gas station that has E85. I've never seen an E85 pump in my life. Uh, actually, I've got to blog this because I took a picture of it. And, and was it a uh, good experience? Yeah, no. Well, besides that, ethanol I think is a really interesting fuel. But what was in the most interesting thing was if you t- and I took a picture of the sign. The regular gas at the time was two dollars and nineteen cents a gallon, and then the premium was like two forty, mm-hmm. and the diesel was like you know two forty or so. The E eighty five was a buck sixty nine. Hmm. So it's really cheap. Yeah. It's cheaper than everything. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, it's, if you can keep the price down, I, my understanding is you can't make a profit from this stuff. But uh, if you're selling at such a low price, it seems that somebody's making money. Uh, but I don't know how many E85 cars are floating around. Maybe it's just they have to lower the price to get people to use this stuff. I'm not sure. Cheryl winds up by saying the mega farmers seem to know how to work the system and they get all the huge subsidies. Obama wants, to, Obama wants to reduce the maximum gross farm revenue from direct farm payments. A net income ceiling would be more sensible. Larger farmers can afford to postpone selling their crop in order to maximize government payments. Have no fear about food shortages, though. The big farms will snap up available cropland immediately. <laughs> yeah, Monsanto will. Well, Monsanto sells the seeds to those big guys. Yeah. You know, bud. As of today, the... Uh... And by the way, the worst part about these big farmers, and I think this woman or anybody who's in the farming community would agree, they, they produce crap. 
I mean, the the difference, you know, total one of the things shit. that... Total shit. We do not shop for food at Sainsbury anymore. All that, or, the fake organic that has a nice little picture of a chicken running around in acres of gra- grassland, it's bullshit. Right. Okay, that's not so, really so, organic. So I'm, uh, you know, some years ago, you know, I was, uh, before I had children and all the rest of it, and I've gotten into the, being the foodie. Uh, you know, I'd only eat butter lettuce and I would always eschew, you know, iceberg lettuce because it was like, uh, you know, low rent. But when you have kids and you want to feed them lettuce of any sort, you have to actually get iceberg lettuce because uh, the kids won't eat anything else. Damn kids. (laughs) They won't eat butter lettuce or Boston lettuce or bib lettuce. They want something crunchy. So you start using iceberg lettuce again. I did not realize, and now I actually use it still all the time just for my own because I like it. Because what I was doing, I didn't realize that I had uh, early on, especially when I was a kid and whenever, the iceberg lettuce that my mom and then even I might have gotten from a, from a big chain like Safeway, compared to the iceberg lettuce I get from a, 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 a vegetable market, like in the Berkeley area, we have Monterey Foods and the Berkeley Bowl, but I, I shop at Monterey Foods. I think it's friendlier. But anyway, they, the iceberg lettuce from them, so I'm... Is, is radically different. And so I didn't realize this until a few years ago. I'm eating this iceberg lettuce from Monterey Foods, and it's like, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's tasty. It's got good crunch and everything. For some reason, I had to get some lettuce, and I went to Safeway, and I bought the Bud or whatever this brand is, you know, this oh, national brand of you maximized. Dare, you daredevil, you. So I went and got this lettuce, and I took one bite of it, and it was, horrible. it was like, it was horrible. It tasted, it had no flavor. In fact, it had like a negative flavor. It was like it was like sucking the flavor, <laughs> like sucking, sucking lifeblood out of you. <laughs> it was like horrible lettuce. It had no taste. It was it was it, it was just it was repulsive. And I realized and at that point, you know, I well, of course, I kind of realized it to to some extent, but I didn't realize how bad some of these fruits and vegetables are that are these these you know this that are manufactured by a mach, by the machine of of big farm. Anyway, that's my little story. Well, since we've been living here in um, in Southwest London, we have that butcher shop, which is really more than a, j- a butcher shop. He's got everything but fish. So he has um, all kinds of meats, uh, poultry, uh, but also uh, fresh vegetables, potatoes. You know, right there, sacks of it. I mean, it's a comp- that is a real organic and, and cert- uh, you know written certification from the farmers about what each animal was fed. You know, these guys do it properly, hang it up. You know, so that you got one bloody end of of these big slabs of meat. I mean, it. We have we are just amazed at the taste of real food because when we were living in uh, Guilford, you there was really no butcher or or green grocer to go to. You were pretty much locked into either driving all day just to get a meal from all these different shops because nothing is located conveniently next to each other, or go to the big box Sainsbury. And we are just blown away by taste again. You have no idea. How how in, how much you're missing with the shit that they're that they're processed crap, colorized water injected shit they're selling you. How do you really feel? <sighs> yeah, no, I agree. And the fact is, is that uh, you know, real food is uh, is something that we have to promote, and because it's good for you. It it, it was got to be good for you. I, I we hate to be corny, but it's kind of life affirming. I always say like <laughs> I have yeah. a piece of meat, and I go, "This is life affirming because it tastes so damn good." <laughs> mm, it's a, because, you know, I as opposed to something today. that just tastes like crap, or it's just you can taste it. It's manufactured. 
But I was doing, I was in a wine tasting once with uh, a bunch of pros. It was a professional tasting of uh, some California wines in a competition. And, uh, and this was back, I think, 50, in the mid-90s or so when, uh, when Gallo Sonoma was just opening up, opening up shop. And they had brought over these uh, fermenters from Australia. And they were making this based on the, on the setup over uh, that Daryl Groom had over at uh, Geyser Peak, which is a very Australian-style winery. And uh, so they set up shop that same way, and they have this Gina Gallo, who's like this famous, you know, winemaker and everything. And of course, I was working at ZDTV with one of the girls there that happened to be with the competitor family, the Franzias, who apparently split up with the Gallo sometime in the 1800s, and the two families hate each other, and they, she has all the dirt. She says that Gina doesn't really make anything at all. She's just a front man. And she thought their wines were horrible, of course. But, they, of course, Franzia makes wines in a box, so what can you say? <laughs> anyway, it was back to the story. So I, but so Gallo had put a lot – Gallo has an interesting marketing trick, which is very similar to the razor blade companies, at least they were alleged. So when you buy a new you know, a new blade, comes, oh, it's a new triple from so-and-so from Gillette. You buy those the sample with the two blades. The thing's sharper, lasts for months and years almost. You know, these things are, and then you buy the replacement blades that go dull after a week. And so Gallo has this trick where they, if, if anyone sees a new winery, they have, I think, Turning Leaf was one of theirs. They roll out this wine, a new brand. The stuff is absolutely dynamite for like one or two vintages. I mean, really, and seriously cheap and tasty. And then they just start to, then, you know, you go back. Then they start cutting the, it with baking soda. Well, they cut it, well, not baking soda necessarily, but it's obviously there's, they're not using the same quality ingredients later. But it's a trick. It's a marketing trick. But the thing about the, uh, they had, so they had these really fancy Cabernets they were making. I think the 96 vintage was one of them in that era. And the stuff was absolutely delicious. It tasted just like a Cabernet. And, uh, but I was discussing one, and they were always winning awards because everyone would blind tasting. You'd, you'd just think it was great. But I was, after a couple of years of this, I was sitting around at the lunch with one of these guys who's a big wine buyer for a big chain. And I said, you know, I kind of like the way that Gallo uh, is tasting. And the guy just says to me, just out and out, he says, you don't think it tastes manufactured? Hmm. And uh, which is the kind of thing you do to in wine tasting circles. Oh, you bring you up talk. something. Yeah. You bring up something like that, or you know, you you didn't notice it was oxidized. Kind of <laughs> it and was corked. It's clearly corked. Well, cork, cork wines anyone could spot. Get, so anyway, so as soon as he line, said John. that, it, as soon as he said that, it dawned on me that it, there is a manufactured taste in Gallo wines, and that wine actually exhibited it. And that, and the manufactured taste is is sometimes you know is artificially tasty, or they say fake it, or they do something, you know, they pump it up. I mean, that's what if you look in the back of a cereal box or these big companies, the ingredients are like there's a million things in there to give you the impression that it's better quality than right. it is. I, I I've become a real ingredient reader. I, I got to tell you, you, you look at if, if there's anything in there that you can don't know what it is, don't eat it. <laughs> that's that's the way I look at it. Oh, that's nice. I won't eat that. Anyway, my wine story harkens back to a PR guy that worked for one of these companies. He says, he says, when you go into the back of these winers where they're making all this stuff, he says, the kinds of bags of weird things, weird ingredients. Uh, weird shit going in there. Is just makes you wonder what the heck this wine's consistent, you know, what's in this wine. That's why we only drink French wine. Well, they adulterate too, but not the better winers in Bordeaux. Let me just run down some important... Uh, <clears throat> By the way, let me just stop you. Somebody asked for more wine and food chit-chat, so I thought I'd throw in a couple anecdotes. There you go. No, thank you.
It's highly appreciated. It ties into uh, so many different things, certainly regarding food. You know, Disney is now selling eggs. Did you see? This is. I'm surprised that you didn't have this on the blog. The Disney eggs. No, I never would die. Bleh. Oh, it's freaky, That's... man. Yeah, there's okay. uh, and you get a little mold with it, so you can make a like a Mickey Mouse. Uh, you get mold. Is it they're moldy eggs? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you get a, a mold that you press into the egg, or you break the egg into, so it it fries like Mickey Mouse ears. Uh, but each egg is stamped with an individual uh, character. I don't know. It's just scary, man. I, I would not buy my eggs from Disney. Uh, I'm surprised that the yolk is even yellow. Oh, in, in the commercial, uh, there's a link in the show notes. It's extremely yellow. In fact, it looks a little undercooked in the commercial. If, there, if the yolk is really yellow, then it, it, with an American egg, it's really, I mean, unless it's a yard egg. I mean, we have our own chickens, and so we get these great eggs. With They're like the ones you get in England, which have a really dark yolk. And uh, apparently, the Americans, somebody discovered Americans don't like dark yolks. They want something that's bland and uh, kind of light yellow, which is like nauseating. <laughs> Just the, and, whole, the uh, whole egg thing is, when you think about it, it's not really nice. It's, it's nasty. It's, an, it's, an it's nasty. one cell. It's a one cell. Anyway, so uh, we're eating a cell. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting, Disney eggs. Stuff in uh, not just our food, but I don't know if this is a big deal over in the States. It should be. Uh, more than half of the baby shampoos, lotions, and other infant care products that have been analyzed by, of course, the health ad- advocacy group found uh, stuff like, uh, oh, formaldehyde, <laughs> dioxane. This is not stuff you should be putting on your baby, I don't think. <laughs> and, and, and you can put your baby My in baby's formaldehyde. My covered with dioxin. I mean, and this is like from, you know, the Johnson & Johnson company, man. The put, from why, formaldehyde, obviously, it's, it's to keep the product, uh, to help it last longer, I, I presume. Shelf life. It's shelf life, yeah. But, I mean, you can't, you can't be putting formaldehyde in shit that babies put on their skin. This doesn't make sense. It's a sick world. Not quite as sick as, uh, as the UK. As of today, as of today, at this very moment, my surfing habits, IP addresses, times of use, connections made through the interwebs are being logged by my ISP and handed over to the intelligence services of the United Kingdom. They're going to wonder why you were on so long today. What's he doing? The what e- is he doing? The EU data. He is streaming. He's streaming. Streaming. He's streaming. Oh, it's exactly. Streaming. I can just streaming, see a guy. Some alert. guys like sm- smoking, a, smoking a cigarette. Hey, man. Also, oh no! Oh no, man! It's 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 Curry and Dvorak. He's streaming again. Oh, what are we gonna do? In the morning. Actually, it's even worse with you. You're not only streaming to the, our little audience of live listeners, but you're uh, doing a Skype call. Yep. So you got actually two streams double, coming double up. Double up, double up, yep. Uh, Sir, so that's suspicious right there. Sir Tim Berners-Lee is uh, turning up the heat. I wanted, I do want to give him a plug because he's really trying to to stop this shit. He, he, unfortunately, for some reason, you know, whenever someone says the web, everyone hails Tim Berners-Lee. Oh, Tim Berners-Lee, he's the man. He did it all. He's fantastic. Wow, Tim Berners-Lee, you fucking rock. But when the guy is standing there saying, hey, help the internet is being fucked literally by form and by this directive, data directive. He started a foundation. No one talks about it. No one. Where are all the fanboys now? 
you should be linking to these stories, helping him out. He's he set up a, a huge foundation, which is huge in name and grandeur and ideas, but so I don't think anyone what's he, belongs what's he to What's he complaining it. about? We have the, the we should, I'll quote him. We use the internet without a thought that a third party would know what we have clicked on. But the URLs reveal, uh, people use reveal a huge amount about their lives, loves, hates, and fears. This is extremely sensitive information. People use the web in a crisis. You know, as he's going on and on, he just, he doesn't want this company form, P-H-O-R-M, which is being introduced by all five major ISPs here to be uh, logging your click stream and then inserting ads wherever they feel appropriate. And of course, the whole idea that all of your data is at this moment, as of today, not only being captured by the ISP, but being handed over to the authorities for them to root through it. Seems as though the British public's pretty passive about all this stuff. I think that they're going to snap. At a certain point, yeah, no, that's what you keep snap. saying, and, 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 I, and there's I'm evidence hoping. that it's happened in the past. But I I'm, I'm think maybe they're being so beaten down. Uh, it's really, it's really, really, really sad, is what it is. And of course, what I've resorted to now, or what I'll do, is I just set up the VPN connection with the San Francisco office and surf through there. Yeah, I could do the same thing. It's a little bit slower, unfortunately. Although I don't think you're tracking us as much. Mm. Oh, that FISA bill, man. They just might be. Uh, okay, to wrap it up. We've talked about this before, but now uh, President Obama also declares that the ACTA, <clears throat> this is the uh, Inter- Intellectual Property Treaty, which is a global one, uh, is a national sec- uh, security Secret, and uh, therefore nothing about this uh, agreement can be disclosed to the public. I'm sorry? Nothing about this agreement can be disclosed to the public. What's what's the agreement? This is the ACTA, the Intellectual Property Agreement that we've... Yeah, but there's an Intellectual Property Agreement. People need to know what it is so they can act appropriately regarding their own intellectual property. So, so what's it all about? What's it say? Please be advised the documents you seek are being withheld in full, <clears throat> wrote Carmen Suro Brady, Chief Freedom of Information uh, Officer in the White House uh, White House's Office of the U.S. Trade well, wait, Representative. Hold on a second. Isn't this supposed to be a transparent uh, White House? This is national security, man. Who, who are you? Who are you well, wait to question? Who are you to question national security, to dude? National security. Well, it's really important that no one copies our really good ideas, okay? That's national security, dude. Well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's that got to do with not knowing what says, what the bill says? It's uh, because it's bad for the children. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes down to that. You watch. You watch. It's for the children. I don't understand it. It makes no sense that you have an have intellectual property we agreement. We need a jingle. Yeah, follow-up. <laughs> And uh, once again, uh, the uh, shuttle launch has been delayed. They say it might go today. Uh, The International Space Station that was actually evacuated uh, earlier in the week uh, because... It was was evacuated during our show, if you recall. Was it actually during our show? I think so, because I was reading a news flash. Yeah, the Russians had to get out because there was a five-inch piece of metal that was uh, flying away. Headed their way. (laughs) That could uh, do some damage, I guess. I guess. 
So the space wars continue. Uh, we're still hunting for Chinese submarines. Uh, the world is pretty much the same. Although, I have to say, every single periodical in the United Kingdom uh, in the past two days was very upbeat. Everyone is very excited uh, because the economy, uh, based upon the uh, Dow Jones rally, is doing much better. We're pulling out. It could be. I mean, if Obama now comes out and actually does some positive, says some positive messages, it would help a little, uh, rather as opposed to his dour, ah, it's going to get worse, because uh, the whole thing's just a bluff. Well, it seems very simple to me. It's not a bluff that people lost their jobs, but no, you know, I'm just no. saying. But overall, see, it seems really simple to me. Please just deal with the $1.2 quadrillion of toxic assets, adjust the currency accordingly, Move on with your life and start over again. Can't they just do that? Uh, it's not in the scheme of things. They have some plan that we don't know. We, we can maybe de deconstruct it after it happens, but we don't know what it is yet. But I don't even know who they is. Well, it's... Uh... Although you seem to. Well, they listen. They snoop. They know well, what we do. Well, we're now. We're going to actually have some fans within MI6, I suppose, <laughs> because of the uh, of the show being uh, tapped by the. Although it's coming through, well, no, the stream is very tappable because you can just pick that up. Well, you can Skype just listen call. to so, it. You can. Hey, yeah, hey, listen, MI6. It's noagendastream.com. <laughs> Go ahead, listen all you yeah, want. We need a couple more listeners. Maybe they could give us some money. You know, I think we could do with the hundred thousand dollars from MI6 and give them the one minute, the uh, disinformation moment of the of the yeah, show, the, moment, yeah, the disinformation one minute. So no, so I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm going to remain very positive because I like the fact that everyone is on a positive tip. Everyone's saying, "Hey, wait a minute, things are going okay." You know, he raised the maximum amount or the most money ever for Red Nose Day. Um, the the weather is nice. It's sunny. Uh, you know, lots of people without a job, but other than that, it right. just might be okay. Well, it would be a, we have a little mini boom coming up that would follow my pattern a little better. I would hope for that. I, I have, uh, I have thought about that. It could be your, your mini boom. Yeah, the mini boom. Okay. All right. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation, East and Southwest London, hidden away in the Crackpot Command Center. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm up here in the Pacific Northwest, Gitmo Nation, Pacific Northwest, best I can do. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda.